Today we resume again our new sermon series, Blessed Assurance, the Biblical Promise of Heaven. We are taking a close look at what the Bible says about heaven. Now, I'll just tell you, I'm very excited about this sermon series. I pray that you are excited about this sermon series. I am praying that we are greatly encouraged as we look at the sure and real promise that we have of heaven. Again, I'm very excited about this sermon series. Last week, we looked at Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. This week, we're going to move to the Gospel of John chapter 14. Today, we're going to look at the very first three verses of John chapter 14. I'm going to ask, if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. John chapter 14, beginning here in the first verse. It says this, Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dearly Father, we come today, we're thankful for you. We're thankful for our Savior, Jesus Christ. We're thankful for the hope that we have, the sure hope that we have in our Savior, Jesus. We're thankful that in the, in the hard, and maybe the hardest of times, that our foundation is not shaken, that we have eternal life by faith in Jesus Christ. We come today, and I'm thankful for a church where we've assembled today. And I pray that today you would bless us, that you would encourage us, that you would teach us in the preaching and the hearing of, of your word. I pray today that as we, have, as we have sung these songs, as we come, as we tithe, as we, as we give, as we hear, and then as we serve the name of Jesus, that you are truly worshiped here today. Lord, we do love you. We do praise you. We do worship you. I pray now that as we enter into this time that you would truly now speak. That it would be a supernatural event. And the living word of God that's active and sharper than any double-edged sword would point to the living word Jesus. And that salvations would rain down in this service. Lord, we do love you. We lay this before your feet. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Last week, if you remember, we began the series by laying out the truth that as believers, as Christians, we live in light of heaven. That was the, the, the first truth. As Christ followers, our view of heaven impacts how we live now. That's the reality. Our view of heaven, how we see heaven, impacts how we live now. The book of Colossians says that we set our minds on things above. We set our minds on the eternal things, on heaven. And how we are living now is greatly impacted by how we see heaven. Understand that is why it is vital, that is why it matters that we have a biblical view of heaven. And just think about that, that makes sense. If we are living in light of heaven, that is why it is absolutely important that we have a biblical view of heaven. Understand today, it's not what others say, it's not what others think, 
It's not the experiences of some, not some book or not some movie, but it is the Bible that informs our understanding of heaven. We need to hammer that fact down. It is the Bible that is going to inform our understanding of heaven. Let me give you an example this morning. How many times do you hear someone say, well, so-and-so gained their wings today? You ever hear that? Or, or somebody will say, well, heaven gained another angel today. And they're talking about somebody has passed away and, and heaven has gained another angel. Or sometimes I'll hear somebody say, well, and you can just fill in the blank, my grandmother or my parent or somebody else, they are, they are now my guardian angel and they are now looking over me. That is a very common thing. I hear it all the time. Those folks are probably well-meaning. Do you know the Bible nowhere teaches that people become angels. Nowhere is that taught in the Bible. In fact, the opposite is true. The Bible is very clear. People do not become angels. Angels are angels and people are people. And that's just one example. And if we are to live now in light of heaven, we need a true understanding of heaven. And if we're going to have a true understanding of heaven, it's going to come from God's word, the Bible. Well, this morning, as we jump into our second service, second sermons, today with our minds set again on heaven, today with us thinking about heaven, let me ask you the question today, and really it's a, it's a very awesome question to consider. Let me ask the question. What is the best thing about heaven? Now, that's a pretty awesome thing. What is what is the best thing about heaven? Think about that for just a few moments. Consider that. What is the, the absolute best thing about heaven? Now, be very sure today, heaven is awesome. Heaven is really more than we can understand, more than we can imagine. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says, Eye has not seen, and ear has not heard, and it has not entered into the heart of a man all that God has prepared for those who love him. Heaven is unimaginable. Heaven is tremendous. But what do you think is going to be the best thing about heaven? I spent some time thinking about that this week. What is the best thing about heaven? Is it a perfect environment? Surely it is, a perfect environment. The, the Bible tells us this world is groaning. We look around today, this world is decaying. Just, just right in our area, there are fires and there are storms and there's a drought going on. Understand in heaven, it's gonna be as it was intended. The perfection that was in the garden will be restored. The Bible says there will be a new earth. It'll be made right. Revelation says, behold, I'm making all things new. I'm making all things new. Can you imagine that? Everything's set right. Surely that's it. A perfect environment. Maybe it'll be how majestic it is. I think about that for just a little bit. Really, I can't really grasp all of that, but, but maybe, maybe it'll be how majestic heaven is. Surely that will be it. Picture the city there. City pure as gold. It says the gold is so pure that it's like clear glass. 
Can you imagine that? Gold so pure that it's like clear glass. Says that the walls are adorned with jewels, finest jewels, not sheetrock, not some mess that we would stick up. The finest jewels line the walls. Says there's 12 gates of solid pearl. Pearly gates. 12 gates of solid pearl. There's a, there's a crystal river that comes from the throne. I, I can't even start to imagine all of that. Oh, how majestic it must be. I has not seen. Surely that'll be it, how majestic it is. Maybe it will be the absence of sorrow. No more pain. Some of us know what it feels like to have deep sorrow. There'll be no more physical pain, no more sickness, no more cancer, no more cancer, no more emotional pain. Oh, can you imagine the, the joy of that? Can you imagine all of the sorrow will be gone, the, the pain will be gone, the, the sickness forever gone? There'll be no sorrow there, no more burdens to bear, no more sickness, no more pain, no more parting over there. No more clouds in the sky. No more tears to dim the eye. All is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. I wish I could sing that to you. Surely that's going to be it. No more sorrow. No more sickness. No more pain. Oh, can you imagine that? Surely that is it. Better than that. Maybe it will be that there is no more death. Surely that's it. Surely that is it. No longer any death. The book of Revelation says, and there will no longer be any death. No more caskets to stand by. No more graves to weep over. No more tearful goodbyes ever to be spoken. No longer any death. Surely that is it. Can you imagine no longer any death? Surely that is it. Maybe it will be the reunion with those who've died. Maybe it'll be the reunion with those who've died in Christ. Surely, surely that's going to be the best thing in heaven. First Thessalonians says we will be together with them. Friends, there is a day of reunion coming. Oh, what a day that's going to be. The sorrow of our cries will be replaced with shouts of joy. I can't wait for that day, a reunion with those who've died in Jesus Christ. Surely that's it. Think about some of the folks who I might meet there, maybe some of them I never even knew. Maybe some I need to tell thanks for standing and being steadfast because of their witness that was faithful. My life has been changed. Can you imagine? Tell them thank you. Surely that's gonna be the best thing of heaven. The reunion together with followers of Jesus Christ. Maybe it will be the forever absence of sin. No more sin. Surely that's it. Surely, surely that's at the top of this. Surely that's it. No more sin. No more guilt of sin for me and you. No more shame of sin. Never again, no more shame of sin. Never again the presence of sin. The Bible says nothing unclean. No one who practices abomination or lying shall come 
therein. There'll be no crime. There'll be no hate. There'll be no jealousy. There'll be no more sin forever. It is gone. Surely that is it. Aren't you weary of sin? Aren't you weary of the effects of sin? There'll be no sin there. Maybe it will be, and really it's all of that, but there'll be no more curse. You see, we're born under a curse. And we toil our lives under a curse. And the Bible says the ground is cursed because of sin. And there's weeds and our, and our, the work of our hands is cursed because of sin. A childbirth is in pain because of the curse. And we live under the curse and we, and we struggle and we suffer and we sigh under the heaviness of the curse. Revelation chapter 22 verse 3 says, And there will no longer be any curse. The curse will be lifted and be replaced with blessing. Surely that is it. The curse is gone. Or maybe it will be, and surely this is it, maybe it will be that in God's grace and provision that we can be there. That I can be there. I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know, but surely that is it. You see, I left, I rebelled, I sinned. There's nothing good in me, surely not worthy of that, surely not worthy of such glory. Yet the Bible says another book was opened, which is the book of life. And if your name is there written through the blood of the Lamb, you have entry in God's grace. We can be there in God's grace. I can be there. Surely that is it. As a sinner, we'll stand in heaven, saved in God's grace, standing in the glory of heaven. Surely that is it. And I could go on and on and on. Oh, the glory of heaven. Oh, the awesomeness of heaven. Oh, the marvelous truth about the reality of heaven. But that's not it. That's not it. It's even better still. Listen to me. The greatest thing about heaven is the one who secured my place. The one who took God's wrath that was due me. The one who died my death. The one who gave me his righteousness and put it on like a robe to cover my sin. The one who took my shame and bore it to Calvary. The one who rose again and lives today. The one who is reigning as king. Jesus will be there. And that's the best part about heaven. And we could go on and on and on. Oh, it's going to be awesome. But the best part about heaven is our Savior, Jesus, will be there. Revelation says, and then we shall see him face to face. Let's back that up with verses. Let's look at our verses this morning. I've preached these verses at over 200 funerals. Never been a funeral I preached that I haven't included these verses. I've preached these verses in two sermons here. I have said many times, these are my favorite verses. Today, even more so. Even more so. Let's look at our verses. John chapter 14, verse 1. And do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also 
in me. Jesus is speaking. He says, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Now, see the picture here. Understand the context here. At this point, they are in the upper room. Judas has left to start the process that leads to Jesus' crucifixion. He leaves and he sets into motion the things that are going to result in his death. In less than 24 hours, Jesus will be dead. At this point, Jesus has said to his disciples that he is going away. He said, I'm going away. In fact, he said, where I'm going, you cannot follow. At this point, he is told in the hearing of the group, he's told the leader of the group that he would deny him. He said, well, I'll, I'll defend you with my life. He says, you'll deny me three times. In fact, in the book of Matthew, he says, all of you will fall away. The Bible says after he speaks these things, Jesus and his disciples would go forth over the ravine of Kidron where there was a garden, Gethsemane. And so understand this morning, there upon the hearing of these words, there is a tension in the air. There is confusion in the air. They can't understand how things are going to unfold. They can't really imagine how things are going to unfold. And so there is confusion in the air. There is hurt in the air. There is a great sadness there in the air. And in that context, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Jesus starts, do not let your hearts be troubled. What an awesome statement. Really what a kind thing for Jesus to say here. Do not let your hearts be troubled. In the Greek, the word for troubled literally means stirred up or upset. One translation says terrified. Do not let your hearts be stirred up. Do not let your hearts be upset. Do not be terrified. Listen today, be sure. Life is tough. For followers of Jesus Christ, life is hard. That's the reality of our days. Paul says in Acts 14, 22, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. We walk through hard things as followers of Jesus Christ. It is hard. Jesus says, but we're not, and they were not, to let their hearts be troubled. I, I, I read that, I hear that, and I, and I want to ask a question. I want to I say, well, how, how would you not? How would you not? They're going to go and they're going to see things in the next few days. They can't even imagine. They're going to see Jesus nailed to the cross. How would you not let your heart be troubled? Today in the midst of hard things, hard things and hard things, another thing, how would we not let our hearts be troubled? How would we not? It goes on and it says, believe in God, believe also in me. See this today. The cure for a troubled heart is a bolstered Belief. The cure for a troubled heart is a bolstered belief. Understand here in, in this first verse, this is a call for greater belief. We are saved in belief. Now Jesus says, believe and keep on believing. 
Jesus says believe, but not only believe, continue in your belief. Have more belief. Have a greater belief. That's what he's saying. Believe, but now believe more. The truth is, there are lesser believing believers and there are greater believing believers. And Jesus says it is hard and it's about to get harder. And he says it's going to be so hard, it's going to start to agitate your heart. It's going to start to to really grind on your heart. And he says the answer for that is a bolstered belief. Believe in God. Believe. Believe also in me. Believe. That is the answer for a troubled heart. Isaiah chapter 26 verse 3 says, The steadfast of mind you will keep in perfect peace because he trusts in you. The Bible says this, there is no trouble in our hearts when our belief is totally in God, when there's nothing held back in our life, when we, when we hold nothing in reserve, when we operate on no understanding of our own, when it's not our will but his will, then our hearts operate in perfect peace. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe. Believe in God. Believe also in me. It's a call to belief. Verse 2. Buckle your seatbelts, it's about to get good. In my Father's house, wow, Jesus is speaking. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. The most awesome picture I can imagine unfolds here in verse two. Jesus says, in my Father's house, house. He's referring to heaven. Jesus is referring here to heaven of all the pictures of heaven. And there's a whole bunch of different pictures of heaven, of all the pictures of heaven. This is my favorite picture of heaven. See the picture. See what he's, what he's painting for us here. Heaven is not a house. Heaven is not any house. Heaven is our Father's house. Now see the picture. It is our Father's house. What is heaven? How is it represented? It is represented by our Father's house. Listen, that is home. That's what he's saying. It is home. See the picture. Home. That's where you fit in. Home is where they welcome you in. Home is where you're accepted. Home is where your loved ones are. Do you remember home? Home is where there's rest and there's peace and there's no stress. Home is where you're loved. You ever been gone for a while and you can't wait to get home? And When you're away, there's this longing in your heart to get back home. And the longer that you're away, the greater the longing is. And maybe it's been some time and maybe it's been some distance. And oh, you want to go home. Jesus says here, it's home in my Father's house. Now see the picture, it's going to get better. In my Father's house are many dwelling places, are many dwelling places. Now I have always liked 
the King James translation here of mansions. In fact, it's hard for me to say, in my father's house are many mansions. That's what comes to my brain. If it weren't I so, I would have told you there's many mansions there. I've changed my mind. I don't like that so much anymore. Listen, it's going to get good. Dwelling places in the Greek, the word means literally abiding places. Abiding places. It, it also translates rooms. Rooms. There are many dwelling places. There are many abiding places. There are many rooms. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. See this today. See the picture. Heaven is not a subdivision. Heaven is not a housing development. It is a mansion. It is a house with many rooms. You see, that's very important to me. You see, by the time I get to heaven, I don't want to live down the street from God's house. I want to live in God's house. You see, by the time I get to heaven, I don't want to live on the next block from my loved ones. I want to live down the hall from my loved ones. And Jesus says, there's many rooms, room for you, many rooms in my Father's house. Oh, what an awesome picture that is. Jesus says in my Father's house, when we get home, there are many dwelling places. Oh, I like that. Jesus continues. If it were not so, I would have told you. If it were not so, now he's just told him, it's, it's my father's house, it's home. And when you get there, there's going to be many rooms there. And if it were not so, I would have told you. Jesus says, this is the truth. Jesus says, this is how it is. And when you can't see anything else, you'll be able to see this. And when you can't trust anything else and you don't know where to put your trust anymore, trust in this. If it were not so, I would have told you. The last of verse 2 says, For I go to prepare a place for you. Now stay with me here. For I go to prepare a place for you. To prepare means to make ready. It means to get ready. Then it says a place. For I go to prepare a place. Now understand, it's not a state of mind. It is not the absence of guilt. That's what Oprah Winfrey says. It's not some mystical concept. He says, for I go to prepare for you a place. A place. The word place, this is going to get good. The word place translates a space or literally a spot. A space or literally a spot. I go to prepare a space for you. I go to prepare a spot for you. Now follow me here, follow me here. Is Jesus in heaven building on rooms? Is that what he's doing right now? Is Jesus now building heaven? Is that what he's doing right now? He spoke all of this into existence, so I don't think so. 
In fact, the Bible says that he has sat down, that he is seated at the right hand of the throne there in glory. So what is he saying here when he says this? Listen to me very carefully. For I go to prepare a place for you. Listen very carefully. Jesus is about to stand up and he's about to walk the last steps to the cross of Calvary. He's about to stand up and he's going to walk the last steps to the altar where himself as the Lamb of God, he will be slain. And he says, and I go and I prepare a spot for you. Folks, he's talking about the cross of Calvary. It is through the cross that provision is made. It's just like the song that we used to sing. The way of the cross leads home, leads home. The way of the cross leads home. It's sweet to know as I onward go, the way of the cross leads home. Oh, what a Savior we have. He stands up and with the cross before him, he says, and I go and I prepare a spot for you. It's talking about the cross. Oh, what a Savior. Oh, praise Jesus. For I go and I secure your spot and I go to the cross and it'll be finished there. Oh, what a Savior. Thin people ought to preach that, not me. Amen, what a Savior. For I go and I prepare a place. He stands up and goes to the altar. It's going to get better, verse 3. If I go and prepare a place for you, talking about the cross, If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. If I go and prepare a place for you, that's the condition. If I go and prepare a place for you, if I go to Calvary to secure your place, If I go and I shed my blood as the Lamb of God, if I go and I prepare a place for you, that is the condition. Here's the promise. I will come again. If I'm going to go to the cross, listen, I will come again. And because the condition is met, and receive you unto myself. Do you see how how this stacks up? This is the gospel. For sinners, I will receive you unto myself. We can have no part of him. We're sinners, but the condition is met, and it's met on the cross, and I'm coming again, and I'll receive you unto myself. Oh, how marvelous. He'll receive us unto himself so that where I am, there you may be also. Friends, that's what heaven is. Friends, that's the best part of heaven. Jesus is there. Jesus is there. But I want to tell you, the great news for us is that we, us, we will be with Jesus. By the grace of God, through the blood of the Lamb that was shed for us, there he'll receive us unto himself and we will be with him. And now I understand, as never before, why the book of Revelation ends like this. 
And the Spirit says, come. And the bride says, come. Let those who would hear say, come. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. We're going to be with him. Here's the last question. Are you ready? He went and he made a, he made a way. He made provision to the cross. Are you ready? The Bible says it's by belief. It's God's grace, but it's belief. It's faith in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, that we're reconciled with the Holy God, that we have a place in heaven. Are you ready? If you're not, I implore you, settle it today. Be ready today. Put your faith in Jesus today. Cry out to him as the Savior for your sin. Be ready today. And if you are, walk out of here living in light of heaven. Yes, some of these days are hard. Yes, there's pain and there's suffering. Yes, we deal with cancer. Yes, for now we stand by the graveside. But there will be a day with no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more pain, no more separation, we will stand with Jesus. We live in light of that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Jeremy, Father, we come today, and I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for a Savior. I'm so thankful for his resolve that knowing what lied before him, knowing the cross was set before him, he said, for I go and I prepare a place for you. And he stood up and he marched to the cross and he paid my penalty. He took God's wrath that was due upon me. He bought my salvation, my redemption. I praise such a Savior. Lord, we love such a Savior. I come now and I pray for some in this room that do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I pray that today might be the day of their salvation. Lord, I come and I pray for those of us here who've put our faith in Christ. I pray that, number one, we would be so encouraged from this news, the truth. I pray we'd be so encouraged we couldn't keep it to ourselves, And we would look for those who are suffering, those who are hurting, those who are toiling under the curse, and we'd tell them about our Savior, Jesus. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We worship you now until the day we worship you then. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.